welcome to another known experience. Uh, this is Sean Scott. Today we have a guest on the show, Dr. Rob Murray, that John and I are both really looking forward to. We both love good leadership, and this is what Rob does and what his new book is about, especially connecting heart, being known um, to leadership. So Rob, we're, we're excited to have you on today. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Man, we we go back a little bit. I haven't seen Robin probably uh, twelve years, so um, this is this is it's been quite a journey personally. I know for you yeah. from from when I last saw you to uh, to now. Um, so so what kind of puts you in this direction? And John, how you doing, buddy? Sorry, let's let's. John, <laughs> hey, John. <laughs> man, John, I'm just along for the ride. I'm the wingman on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, no, I, uh, I too uh, am excited about listening to Rob because uh, the last 10 years leadership has become really important to me, good leadership, great leadership. And I, I've really um, appreciated the people in the last decade that have really pointed us in the direction of emotionally healthy leadership. I think the Scazzeros, the um, Brene Brown, Adam Grant, Simon Sinek, and Rob is right in that space. And uh, you're a researcher and a, a coach. And I, I'm excited to hear what you have to share with us about these ideas of leaders being known, knowing themselves, first of all, right? And then being willing to be known um, and so, yeah, I, I'd love to learn how that became important to you. Yeah, my uh, partner, Jack, and I, we're, we're action researchers in the field of transformational leadership. And that's a lot of words to simply say, we, we study how people change. How do you navigate change? But like everything we all do, it always started with a catalyst. And for me, it was very personal. Um, I'm, I'm probably, I don't know, maybe six years ago, I'm living life, I'm probably doing a master's degree. I'm building businesses. I'm running kids. We had four kids, didn't know how to turn those off. And they just kept showing up and uh, we're, we're running, you know, super hard and super fast. And we're just doing our thirties. And, uh, and my wife says to me one day, you know, Hey, we, we need to talk. And I'm like, ah, it's that like, Oh man, that's not a good tone. It's like, it's definitely doesn't sound like how's the weather kind of, kind of situation. And uh, somehow we find ourselves on the edge of the bed and the kids are probably down. Um, and uh, well, and I've got teenage kids, so they never go down anymore. But uh, we must have had a moment of peace. And my wife says to me, she says, you know, Rob, uh, you're a good dad. You're a good husband. You know, you take care of us. Like you working super hard. She's affirming how hard I'm working. You're studying, you're running businesses, you're all of this. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty amazing, aren't I? And, uh, and then we're waiting for that three-letter word, but. And she says, but it's so lonely to be married to you. And uh, she's like, you know, you're home, but are you home? And, and sometimes you're there, but you're not really there. And she goes, I understand the reality, but the point is the reality sucks and I, and I miss you. I want more of you than what I'm getting. And so there I am, I'm like sitting there and you know, my unfiltered brain is going, you ungrateful woman, uh, don't you see how much I'm doing? Uh, but it, I, I was overruled by the reality that she was hitting the nail on the head. She was lonely with me, but I worked out I mean, it took me a little bit. It wasn't quite in that moment, but I started to realize I was, I was lonely with myself. Hmm. Like, like, like I don't even, like I'd lost parts of who I was. Uh, it wasn't necessarily bad. It didn't even feel bad what she was saying. It just was kind of stating the obvious. And I realized I was lonely for myself. I was lonely in my marriage. Uh, we were busy. There was activity, there's sports games. I mean, we all know how to stay busy, but but I wasn't known. I wasn't allowing myself to be known. And, uh, and I, I didn't, I wasn't stopping to smell the roses. And so when your wife kind of pulls the handbrake up and says, Hey, this isn't good. Like we're, we're, we need to show up to this. Um, I went kicking and screaming initially because it, cause I, I don't know about you guys, but I always, anytime I hear anything, it always feels like I'm not doing enough. Like I'm not good enough. I'm not showing up enough. That's one of my yeah. kind of shadows, one of my wounds. It's a pretty common one. Like I'm not enough. I'm never enough. And so, but when I could get through all of that, I realized this woman was sitting on the edge of the bed telling me she was lonely with me. 
Well, let me ask you this question. You're, who are you lonely with in life? Not the postman, not the FedEx driver, not the cashier. You're lonely with people that you want more with. So it was actually quite a compliment. I mean, I didn't, it didn't feel like one, but my wife was sitting there going, I want you. I want more of you. And I was like, okay. And, I, and this is where the story ends. I went, that sounds great, but I don't know what to do. So about six or seven years ago, that catalyzed the start of my journey to say, let me go figure figure this out. I think I thought I'm going to go f- figure it out so I can fix her or fix our marriage. But what I realized was I had to go find me to bring me back. And uh, I was a little resistant to that. We all know what the narcissistic modern day tendencies are for kind of me, my true self and all that. And, and there's some value in that. But there was a sense of who I truly was I needed to go find. And if if we're honest, many of us don't want to know what's going on with our lives because we've lived some pretty tough lives. Uh, But that started the journey. And then as I started to get something for myself, like put on my own oxygen mask, I started to look around and go, oh, my gosh, I'm not the only one. I thought I was the only one here screwed up. And you start to realize as you're starting to breathe again, how do I give other people oxygen? which started to catalyze some of the work that I do these days. So uh, I always say your work typically comes out of something that you want for someone else, but it probably started because you wanted it for you, you know? And so anyway, that, that's part of the journey. It was, uh, it sounds a little rosy talking about it, but man, can I tell you getting in the trenches of your life? It's flipping the hell, man. It's hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And I guess that's where your title for your book came from fighting for heart yeah it is it doesn't come easy does it no you're spot on uh i i played around with a bunch of titles and uh a friend of mine looked at me and he goes dude half these titles they're so therapeutic and they're so this and they're so like easygoing he goes dude this stuff is damn hard work like you're inviting people to do like some pretty heavy lifting here and he goes you've done the heavy lifting like you need an aggressive title and i was like Mm -hmm. you're right like you actually have to fight for your heart. It's easy to go get stuff done, but to actually show up to what's going on inside of you. I don't know about you, but I don't have time for that crap. And so you pause for a second, but we can't afford to not have time for that. So this mm-hmm. idea of fighting for heart is to really get in the ring and say, I, I got to do this. This is like ride or die, man. We, I got to figure out how to show up to this. For me, it was my marriage back then. And I don't think my marriage was on on the rocks. It was... If I didn't attend to it, it would it, it it would have cost me something. So I had to fight for it. I mean, you guys know, <laughs> I've been trying to fight for my body right now. I go to the damn gym, uh, 5.30 in the morning, playing this new game, Pickleball. I mean, I'm telling you, dude, it's like- Let's go. Yeah, let's go, Sean. <laughs> but I, when my alarm goes off at five in the morning, I have, I'm like, I got to fight to get my tail out of the door. Yeah. Show up to the gym and play. It's like, you got to fight for this stuff, man. Which is why probably people don't, people in my industry are are kind of more excited about quick fixes. You know, here are five ways to be a, you know, the next level leader. I'm like, it's not going to happen, dude. Right. 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 Yeah. So, so taking that catalyst moment personally, you know, how does it, how did that transfer to leaders? Because that's a extra heavy lift, right? You know, you're not, um, it's, you're not writing a, a, a self-help marriage book, right? That would be an easy, but to to leverage that up to your leaders and have it land. I mean, what what put you in that headspace? Yeah. So what I realized from that interaction and then a few more afterwards was what I had really done was lost along the journey. Um, we have this thing called the human operating systems. It's, it's our first book. And the human operating systems are really simple. We, we barely have to, we just aggregate stuff, but the human operating system is this idea that you need a heart, you need a soul, you need a mind and you need a body. And that's a human being. That's the ingredients. What I had done is I had lost heart and soul. I was so busy getting stuff done, mind and strength, think smarter, work harder, think smarter, work harder, think smarter, work harder. That's all I was doing. Now those those years in your thirties are actually for that too, by the way. It's not like I'm discounting that with. You're proving that you have what it takes. So I'm fine with that. But along the way, I'd lost heart and soul. And I realized like I'd lost connection with myself, uh, with God, with 
my wife, with my friends, and I was getting stuff done. Um, and I needed to go recapture that heart and soul. Uh, my friend Jeff talks about this idea of like the tin man, like you, he was going out to, you know, go out to build a home, but never coming home to live it. And that's what I was doing. It's like, I'd, I'd lost the essence of who I was. Well, then I realized I'm, I'm just right on par with most of the leaders that I work with. I looked around and everyone's getting stuff done. They're taking care of business. Oh, I'm providing for my family and providing for my family and providing. I mean, we live in a first world. Just, just, I don't want to be, for the most part, everyone here has provided for their family. I need you guys to know the job is done. Uh, like we've just now chosen the standard of what providing for your family means. I, like I, I come from South Africa. Um, I've, I've been a, enough around the world. Like the job's done guys. Like, we're now choosing to live under the pressures of a standard that's far above providing for your family. And I'm fine with that because I want to live more out of the desire of who I am. And I want a long hope, dream, wish, reach. But for a second, we justified, I justified, others justified, leaders justify sacrificing their family at the altar of success, notoriety, uh, providing, and all sorts of things. And, and some of those things are really helpful. I do think without pushing for success, what you don't, do we just sit around the, the home holding each other all day long? No, you need to leave your house and go do something awesome. Right. And you need to work damn hard. Don't get me wrong, but you can't sacrifice your family to do that. And you can't sacrifice work just to be this Kumbaya family too. Mm -hmm. Human beings, leaders are a mixture of doing and being. And if you've ever seen the polarity symbol it's like the idea of breathing like like i build up my being and i express it in doing and as i do i breathe in and it's like this idea of breathing in and out doing and being doing and being head and heart head and heart i just realized we're all head 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 and hands 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 so my work is centered around helping leaders capture heart and soul not because it's better it's just it's just underutilized and in my case it was underutilized I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't paying attention to it. And if you were like, Rob, how's your heart? I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, I don't have time for a heart. Uh, my heart's good. All right, wh what are we doing today? It was always back up the, to the top of doing, 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 doing. And so when I looked around, I went, damn, I'm lonely. My wife's lonely. I don't know about you guys, but leaders are lonely. Right. Do you know how lonely we are? And then COVID was like, hold my beer. Watch this. I'll show you how lonely you can really be. We were already in a lonely this pandemic forget what you want to call COVID, but we were in a loneliness pandemic before that and america is in that mm -hmm. so my work is to, is to attempt to resuscitate or to invite you to fight for what's below the line your heart and then reintegrate it back into the rest of who you are i'm not interested in building a camp out there uh like let's build a city around your heart hell no i just need you to know you have one you know how to use it you know how to show up to it and then turn that into something constructive in the world instead of just kind of going, you know, inward and inward and inward and inward or just burying it. And that's kind of what we do in the leadership world. At least I see it every day um, around America. Well, I, I see, um, I see how that speaks directly to this kind of hustle, no days off yeah. entrepreneurial culture. It's become very popular, right? It's propagated through social media. Uh, and even some people that I love kind of uh, just push that culture and it really butts heads with what you're talking about, yeah. which is kind of a more mindful pause. Okay, check in with myself, check in with the people around me. And we're not just sacrificing our families, we're sacrificing our employees, our staff, the people that work with us. We're setting a bar for them that says this is what it means to succeed. Yeah. Uh, and so we're not encouraging them to live healthy lives. Uh, what would you suggest? Like, um, I, I want to circle back to to your experience with your wife earlier, because it really resonated with me. Um, people come to you as a as a father or a husband or a leader and say, essentially, what we hear is you're not being enough. Maybe they're complaining about you don't return your emails fast enough. I'm not hearing back from you on this. Um, you're not there when I want you to be there. And our, as, as you know, I think our instinct is to, to push back, to deflect, to defend, uh, and even like shame them, right? Like, well, yeah. I, I'm busy because I'm trying to make a better life for you. Be more yeah, grateful. Yeah. And yeah, what yeah. they're saying is that's not a better life for me. You being yeah. here is a better life for me. 
Um, what would you say that would help us to be more mindful in those moments and respond differently? What would be, I mean, something real pragmatic, you know, that you would recommend for us in those moments? I think give yourself this gift. You aren't enough. And, and that, that has set me free. Yeah. So there is a, there is a healthy sense of shame. You know, Rob, you're just not enough. I, I may not be like, like we are all not enough in some area of our lives and how liberating is that? And unfortunately it's called being a human being right. limited, fallible. And so, you know, if there is such a thing as healthy shame or healthy acceptance of your humanity, very practically, when someone says you're just not cutting it, you're not enough. Ask this question. You said curiosity is a big value of yours. I don't know. Maybe I'm not. Because if you attach your value to what you do, if I said to you, John, you know, John, in this job, like this role I gave you in this project, like you didn't cut it. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's saying I'm not enough. Yeah, I may be saying that. And that actually may be the truth. But the truth is not your identity. The truth is you quite shit at that job or you actually don't know how to do that job or you lack the tools and resources or you need development or you're never going to be enough. It's, it's outside of your core competency. It doesn't mean your core competencies are wrong. It just means the job, the actual role right. doesn't fit your design or your essence or your skills or whatever. I am coming to the most liberating fact that I'm not enough. That thing used to terrify me. So I would prove, I'd have to prove to you that I'm enough. Well, now I'm getting into my ideal self. I'm going to fabricate, lie, cheat, or steal to make sure you know that I'm enough. Now I'm becoming arrogant. I'm becoming avoidant. I'm doing whatever it is. I'm just fine not being enough these days. Hmm. And so going back to my marriage, like my wife and I had a moment, uh, and, we, and I write about this in the book, I think. She made me edit it a little bit. I remembered it a little differently to her. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I was like, that's fair. Uh, but I actually sent it to her and I said, this is my memory like help me. And she actually made it better. She actually said, no, you're, you're combining two ideas, uh, two stories that are both real, but like, I'm going to split them up. And I, and I, anyway, the book cleaned it up, but here's the point. There was a moment where she came to me and I'll, I'll paraphrase it very simply, but she came to me and she said, Rob, uh, I need, <clears throat> I need more from you. Like I was going through some pretty hard stuff and, and I just wasn't as attentive and available to her. And she said, I need more from you. And I looked at her and I said, like, what's your worst fear is, is not being enough. We're not afraid of not being enough. We're afraid of what's behind not being enough. What do you guys think is behind? If I'm not enough, what's worse than not being enough? What happens when I'm not enough? Right. So we all think we're afraid of enough. Right? It's yeah. like, because for me and my story, if I'm not enough, you, people leave. Hmm. So if I'm not enough, I'm abandoned. Now that's, that's kind of my wiring, but yours may be different. So I'm always going to make myself like useful because if I'm valuable, useful, well, then you're not going to leave me. So I'm just getting used to, I'm, I'm my, my work is to let people leave me. I, actually, I've spent the last few years letting people leave me like so that I can actually heal and learn what it's like to be abandoned and not die. Cause I thought if oh, I got abandoned, mm. I'd die. Yeah. So, so I'm trying to rule that. <laughs> oh, that one, that one. What happened Ooh. there, Sean? What happened? That that was a uh, that was a sledgehammer in my chest. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, woof. wow, that was that was pretty profound. Um, you know, I I think the in West Palm, you know, a little bit of my backstory and why I was looking forward to this is being a leader, right? You know, just leading out of a heart place, but I was always facilitating. And I wasn't receiving because I'm like, well, I'm the sacrificial lamb, right? Mm. <laughs> like I'm, mm. I'm the guy that just facilitates and someone's got to die on the battlefield and I'll just be yeah. that guy. Yeah. Right. Um, at, it'll be at the cost of me, but I was kind of aware of that. Um, so how do you get leaders before they burn out? Yeah. You know, because that's initially why I'm in North Carolina. I kind of tapped out, you know, yeah, I was yeah. like life. I can't sustain this. You know, I was leading 40 businesses with the mayor's office. I was leading community. I was growing a business. And, um, and my, my wife looked at me mm. and said, I can't live with you. Yeah. Wow. In this, in this, in this state of leadership, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like you, yeah, you're leading everyone mm -hmm. at, at the costs of yourself and our family. Yeah. Um, 
And so she's like, you have to make a decision um, if that's enough. And I, yeah. but, I, but my whole thing was, you know, I was afraid of the, when I, I liked being, I liked being the sacrificial lamb in a weird yeah. sense. You had an identity in doing that. Well, when yeah. I do that, then I, it's familiar. Even if you're getting abused, the person that's getting abused is like, well, at least I know who I am when I'm getting abused. And yeah. so we just keep throwing ourselves into the abuse of commerce and the abuse of a job. Exactly what you're saying, Sean, I, you knew what it was like to be the sacrificial lamb. So what happened? I mean, something had to switch, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I landed here in North Carolina, COVID, I moved here in May, 2020, COVID just started. And so I had a whole plan. Maybe about- your ground, maybe your patient zero. Oh, sorry. Well, that's another, that's another part. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the very quickly, and John warned me about this when I made the decision to, to leave everything, right. And go to a brand new city with no connections. Um, he's like, dude, this is going to be your first six months are going to kick your ass. Like, mm. you don't, you don't know until, you know, <laughs> but he's like, just be prepared that it's going to wreck you. And the first, it wasn't six months. It was the first year. And I'm still dealing with kind of that mm. sense of if I'm not needed, if I'm not getting the texts, um, who am I left with? How am I valued? And where do I go? Right. How do I reemerge as a new healthy leader? And am I willing to walk that lonely path of like abandonment, right? Yeah. Going, a real sense of worth choosing to step out of it. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't removed. I chose to remove myself, but then you still want to kind of circumvent and hop around the painful part of, you know, hashing apart the, the feelings of worthlessness and losing your heart, right? Your purpose. Um, well, Sean, I'll do. say this. I know, John, you have a thought on this too. But when you, as you're talking, go back to what I said earlier, the idea of being and doing. When your identity is linked to either one of those two, you've got some issues. Like, I, I don't think I am right. what I do. I don't think I just am who I am. Like, I think there is a mixture of, uh, of that. And I, I don't want to go so far deep into the psychology of that. Right. But the reality was you were really busy. You had so much purpose and meaning in what you did. And then your identity, we can't help it, but we link our identity right. to that. This is kind of who I am. And I, I walk around the city and this is how I, this is where people know me. And, this, and I walk down the coffee shop and this happens. And there's just a sense of, of all is well, I know who I am. Well, when that's taken away, you are now being confronted like all of us will in different parts of our lives with just, am I, am I enough just because I'm enough? Like, it's just me. Like no one cares what I do. I don't have that same value around what I deliver the outputs. It's kind of like, I just kind of am now in a corporate setting, you may get fired, which is fair. I would fire someone too. Or I'd let you fire me because, well, I'd let you fire me. Wow. That's, that's really, um, I don't know what that's about, arrogant right there. I'd let you fire me. Um, <laughs> I'll have what I'm having. No, it's, it's, it's kind of a sense of, you know, Rob, who you are is valuable, but we are a company that delivers outputs and, mm. and, and what you do doesn't align with that. It's kind of like a professional sports team. If you, if you're, if you're not really good at soccer, they're going to let you go no matter how, what a great person you are, but you are getting a sense of who am I? What's my being? And uh, I often say, can we focus on form before we perform? And I think we've got that the other way around. I'm going to go out there and perform so that I can validate who I am, like the form that, and I just want to take that little PER out first and say, Rob, figure out who you, get a sense of who you are. That's the work we do with leaders. So that out of who you are, you deliver, not you deliver to be someone. Yeah. You deliver out of who you are. And man, we all get confronted in that season. Sounds like you're in one. Uh, I'm sure I'll be in one here pretty soon um, where we're always being confronted uh, with that identity linked to performance. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible, but it's inevitable. We all have to yeah. attach our sense of worth to something, but I at least want to be aware that I'm doing it so that I can work with it. Whereas most of us just kind of blindly get on with it. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on I didn't die from like 10 minutes ago. Uh, because I just think that is like, I mean, what you said there is such a gem. Uh, first of all, how will we know that we're not going to die if we don't let it happen? Yeah. 
and that whole idea that um you know everything you really want's on the other side of fear like that that and i mean to to embrace all the acronyms and the clichés false evidence appearing real fear this idea that if if i absorb that if i let them take that ground that i'm not enough uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. And so I've got to push it back. I've got to deflect it. I've got to make them feel like they're the one in the wrong. And the reality is, is all they want is for you to own it a little bit. Yeah. That's endearing. That's attractive. That, that affirms them. Yeah. And if what we want is their respect and their love, then meeting them where they're at and, and, and asking ourselves, what is true in this for me? is is better for both of us so um i i just love that idea i had a therapist one time that i was struggling with something and he just taught me this question of what's the worst that could happen yeah what's the worst that could happen if you own it if you um and like you said maybe you do get fired but maybe you need to get fired maybe you know I, i got fired from a job i hated one time and it that devastated me and my brother was like he said, sometimes God has to get you fired because you're too stupid to quit. <laughs> and so I, I've really, uh, you know, I think embracing those things and embracing the consequences of them is so powerful. What would you say? I mean, let's again, let's get pragmatic with leaders with what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. How can you help us be better at that um, and responding to those things? So one of the things that I get frustrated with in, in most of the leadership industry, and not, not all of it, but most of it, a lot of it is inspirational and a lot of it's motivational. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. But screaming I'm a champion 10 times and running into the woods naked is not going to like make me a champion. In fact, I'll probably get arrested and then get onto a list. But uh, the, the reality is so much of so much of the message out there is like, go, 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 go. It's like pumping you up you can't transform and change by being inspired simply. You, that's not enough. Like you can't go to another conference, listen to like six more keynote speakers. People who tell me they read like 500 books a year, my encouragement is stop reading. Like pick two books and do the damn thing. Like actually right. live out two books, don't read 500. So once again, practically, what I went out and figured out was you can't build your EQ with IQ alone. I can learn all about emotional intelligence, but at some point you got to go lift the weights. Mm -hmm. I was last year, I had like three gym memberships to three different gyms and I wasn't going to any of them. And there's (laughs) there's a reason behind that. But I was like, well, you know, if I just keep paying for these things, I'll eventually get shamed into going. And eventually I'm like, well, it's actually not that much money every month to just kind of have a conscience on me. And, but at some point you have to go do the work. So John, very practically, I went out with this hot engaged EQ system and uh, it, it sounds like a mouthful, but here's what it really is. Uh, let me create a guide, a container, a map that is thought through. It's not just another like, oh, here's some shiny ideas. Mm-hmm. So during my research, I went out and tried to understand the whole industry. That's, you know, when anytime you're doing my kind of research, you're trying to, you're trying to understand everything that's out there, understand all the models, understand all the approaches. And then somewhere in there, I pieced together something that that worked for me and worked for the the people that I work with, the guys I work with, the leaders, the companies. So once again, I set the table so leaders can do this one thing, demystify what's going on inside of them. Because John, if I said to you and Sean, if I said to you today, hey, how are you guys doing? What's your average response? What did most people say? Busy. Good, good, busy. Uh, all right. If I said, Oh, how's it going? And you said, uh, what if you asked me? And I said, Oh, it's stuff's really hard right now. Then what do you say? So you sure as hell don't have to get in the hard with me. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm, if you're, I'm praying for you or, uh, (laughs) thinking about you or, you know what, Rob, you'll get through it. Let's, let's, uh, let's grab a beer later. You never, let's grab a beer later. Yeah. (laughs) Change my number. So we have all these social exchanges to, to stay in the real world. And my work is to just have the system. Who cares if you don't use any system as a, it's a tool and a resource to help you get mm-hmm. into what's going on inside of you. And it's a common language so that you and I know what we're both talking about. If I said to you, John, uh, I'm so lonely with you right now. Okay. Like my wife said, 
but you understood my model. I hope mm -hmm. what you would realize was, damn, Rob loves me. Like, oh, that feels good. Like you yeah. wouldn't interpret that as a negative. Yeah. You would interpret that as, oh yeah, things aren't there, but like, oh wow, wait, Rob's lonely with me? Which would suggest that Rob wants the gift of loneliness, which is connection. Rob wants to be more connected with me than what he's getting. And it's showing up as loneliness. Loneliness is just a message. It's the messenger. And your managing partners get to decide what to do with it. You get to decide as an outcome, what do you want that loneliness to be? Do you want it to lead yeah. towards connection or not? So again, yeah. we're speaking the same language. That's what I want. I want leaders to be on the same key, speaking the language about what's going on inside of them. I like I like what you kind of uh, alluded to earlier also is that we get to decide what we're going to do with that information. Is this somebody I want to have more of me? Is this yeah. someone that I should be giving more of me to? Or is this someone that I have to say, I'm sorry, I don't have the capacity to get, yeah. I'm a finite person. Yeah, it sounds like you know, you understand boundaries. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. Uh, speak, speaking of boundaries, uh, there's a question I'd love to hear from both of you guys. Because you both have been entrepreneurs, you both have families, you have kids. And um, I think a, a trap I've seen a lot of uh, men fall into in, in that place is, I'm going to really work hard for the next 10 years. I'm just going to bust it. I'm going to sacrifice everything. I'm going to sacrifice some time with my family and my spouse because it's going to get me somewhere that I'm going to be able to actually like uh, recompensate them for all they've sacrificed. And we're going to be somewhere that we would have never been in any other way. And what, what I often see is, is that day never comes because there's always another level. And they also get into that mode and they don't know how to get out of it. Mm. Uh, tell me if you're familiar with what I'm talking about and what kind of warning would you give to those people that, that have that mindset of, it's kind of the work hard, play hard mindset. And what they don't realize is when they're working hard, uh, their family is, you can never recapture the time that you've lost especially at that stage in life. So what would be your words to those folks? What do you Rob? think, Sean? You go, well, yeah, you go first, Sean, I'll, I'll wrap. Yeah, you know, man, I, um, that has been on my mind um, quite a bit, thanks to Facebook memories. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but I, I think it really helped. But I, I have always had the mindset, and I, I think the Lord is kind of in my DNA. I was always a kid that watched and learned, right? I, I, sure, I did it my way sometimes, but I, I would take a lot of information and then form my plan. And I've lived a pretty alternative life, but it's been calculated, right? And in business um, and leadership and in watching my kids grow, I very quickly saw how how they will not want to be around me like they do um, now very quickly. So I, I tell, I tell uh, entrepreneurs and business guys this all the time that um, you have essentially between four and 13, you know, be, before four, they won't really remember much. Right. And it's really critical for you to be there, but the conscious interaction with your children um, is like four to 13 where they just love being around you, right? Adventure they're You're their hero. Um, they just want more of you. They can't have enough. They want to draw pictures of you. And so you only have about nine years, right? So you can never recapture that. And I know Rob, I've seen Rob post something about this. Like, how do we, how do we remake our kids when they're youth again? We can't, how painful that is. And that, yeah. that, that has always been on the forefront of my mind and has made me shape my made me shape my life. And again, that was part of moving up here. Um, and it's recalibrated that sense of, I know that, that making more a bigger house leadership that can always, it, it'll, it'll always require more, right? Like the dopamine hit that, that sense of power that you had won't be enough. So you'll need to gain more power to get that same payoff. Right. So I was like that, this ladder I find myself on, is endless 
right? So I'm never going to achieve this perfect state of status, power, and wealth. (laughs) So I'm not going to keep achieving that. And I grew up in a poor house. So I was like, if I hit X amount of dollars, I know this is what it takes to live on, right? Anything above that um, is an addition. But so I, I set a very pragmatic kind of level of what I need and then how much time I want to invest and my window. And those, those have been critical variables in my life because you are hundred percent right that I have never seen a guy recapture 20 years of, you know, neglecting family and and kids Mm. um, because it's impossible, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. When you're 60 years old and you have time, you can want to spend all the time, but they're in their, their twenties and thirties when they're going to be busting their ass and they're not going to have time to spend with you because life is life. Right. So, and you taught them how to do that. Right. You know, and, and you, and, oh, dad, we'll see you three times a year. Really? Mm-hmm. But I'm here. I'm available. Well, don't you want to spend time? Um, and so that, that was, I feel somewhat of an, of an anomaly in the business field because I see, and Rob touched on this, I see a lot of guys that talk about it, talk about family and posts about it on social media but they're not making the, the decisions and it's a tough conversation <laughs> to mm-hmm. have like, Hey man, we just talked on the phone, but uh, I just saw you took on a whole new load of work. Mm-hmm. How does that align with the conversation we just had? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, John, I mean, I, I, I uh, it's always been on my mind. You know, John, one of the things that I do in my work, in my research, especially with leaders, and it's it's actually a new, a new some new research I'm doing, is understanding the development, the development of a human being. So there's a lot of work out there in developmental psychology, sociology, all these different fields that that studies the development of a person from birth to death. And there's uh, different guys, Eric Erickson, a bunch of other people have done some great work like forever ago. But when you understand that there's, there is a time and place for everything, like when you're in your 20s, whether you like it or not, you're trying to prove that you have what it takes to go out in the world and kill something and drag it home. But before your 20s, you, you just want to know that you're loved because you're loved because you're loved. Like my 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 nine-year-old and my 10-year-old, they're, not, they're coming in to say, look, I did this. and But they really just want to know, like, am I yours? And that's that whole thing is like, am I enough? That wound, am I enough, is normally formed in your childhood. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, am I just enough for being enough? And, and and so when I realize like there's a time for that, and then it switches to these 20s and 30s where you're trying to prove it. Those are your warrior years, right? So if you want to get into uh, Gillette and Moore's work around lover, warrior, king, magician, you know, that that's a cool overlay, but it, it, it overlays nicely where you're getting into those warrior years and you are more doing than being. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm cool with that. Like, and then, and then eventually you, you get into those kind of King queen years. You're into like that kind of sense where you're in your forties and fifties. Like I'm now in my forties and fifties. These are very productive years. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff, but it's going to, the doing's going to look different to the twenties and thirties. I hope right. if I make the transition well. If I get through this midlife transition, well, uh, things will be good. We'll see how it goes. I'm still in it. Yeah. And every one of those seasons, they say, is about a five-year transition. Well, then eventually you transition out of that into these kind of sage years. And honestly, not a lot of leaders make it through there because we've been taught that you have to climb the ladder, climb the ladder. Your identity is linked to your, your power position, what you own, the car you drive, the house you have, et cetera, et cetera. And then one day you retire and you go to Florida where you guys are and then they play golf, right? And they get orange. Uh, so everyone comes down there and they just retire. One day we can't wait to go down there. And I'm like, really? Like that's, right. I love golf. I'll be playing golf like soon. Um, but I'm like, is that what I'm fighting for? And so we've right. lost we've lost the being because those are being years. You, you're born into being prim- primarily and you die in your being. My grandmother's 96 years old. She's about as useful as a five-year-old. Right. You know, useful, util- like utility. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's a richness and a substance to who she is as a human being, which you ha- you can appreciate and you enjoy, not because she's productive. It's just because she is. 
So I think life is designed to, to, to bring us into the world like with a sense of value just because of who we are. And, and, and at the end of our lives, we're, we're hopefully valued just for who we are. And right in between are these two seasons where we do get praised for doing. I'm okay with that. You're not going to change that about humankind. But, yeah. but while you're in those middle phases of your life, and it is about production and delivery and climbing or whatever you choose, you cannot neglect being. It's not like you you mm -hmm. switch one off and switch the other one back on. And that's what we're trying to do as leaders. They try to go home at night, flip on the switch of like father and leave everything out at home. I mean, at work and then do the same like severance. If you watch that, uh, that show severance, like how do I have a hundred percent here and a hundred percent there? It's not possible. Yeah. So I'm helping leaders integrate like head and heart. Mm -hmm. I want to come home mm -hmm. very practically if you come home, you sit in the driveway, you pull out like one of those check-ins that I've got in the new book or, or whatever check-in you, you want to use, and you actually show up to what you're doing. I may walk in the front door, go sit down at the dinner table with my whole family. And what if I, instead of needing not, instead of pretending that the day was, you know, super hard, I could sit at the table and look at my family and say, hey, I need everyone to know I'm not okay. Uh, some hard stuff went on at work today and I'm having a real hard time uh, not thinking about it. In fact, I'm pretty anxious about it. Um, I don't need anything from you guys, but I did need you to know that I'm struggling um, and I'm doing everything that I can to be present. Um, and then my family can say, oh, thanks for letting me know. Hmm. They don't have to fix me. They don't have to encourage me. But what happens is I then sit at the dinner table and go, oh, I don't have to manage the chaos that's going on inside of me. I don't have to have them fix it, but I feel known and seen. Firstly, I knew myself and then I got to share how I, you know, what's going on with me with someone else. And the whole room just kind of brings it down a little bit. And my kids and my family aren't thinking, what's up with dad? Wow. Like, mm -hmm. you know, He's just like, what, what, why is he so snippety? And, and in fact, there's compassion. Like, oh man, dad's having a hard day. Mm -hmm. Oh man, dad brought his work home today. Oh, dad can't be with us tonight the way we hoped. Mm -hmm. I would rather my kids learn how to be disappointed and sad than feel the, the like passive aggressive emotions that are bubbling up inside of me that I'm not talking about because we don't do emotions. And then it just bleeds out on everyone anyway. And they're like, I can't wait till dad goes back to work tomorrow. We don't want him around. <laughs> and you're modeling for them how to do it. You yeah. know, I think, I mean, parents are annoyed when they ask their kids, what happened to school today? Did you learn anything? Oh, it was fine. It was fine. It's uh, good. And we don't, we don't recognize that maybe they're just reflecting the way that we yeah. communicate to them about our day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. we can teach them how to process your day and share it with others in a, in a healthy, vulnerable way. Yeah, I mean that that was a great. We've had a couple of good takeaways today, but that was mm -hmm. I, I would say that that is one. I mean, again, that was an aha moment for me. Like, oh wow, you know, I feel yeah. like I'm I'm really competent at talking to my wife and kids, but I have never done that. Yeah, and I, mm -hmm. I've sat at the table quiet many a yeah. Yeah. dinner time. <laughs> so you know? so I got this. This is I can't remember who I got this from. It's it's from a novel, I think. But they said. Uh, and I use this uh, a lot. Can I, there's three things that you need. Can I find the words to express how I feel? Like, do, do, do we have words? Like, can we find them? Like, so you have to identify the words. Can I say them out loud? And number three, can I know that I was heard? Now that doesn't sound big, but if I say, hey, how are you doing, John? And I actually sit and you go, I'm fine. And I say, no, just sit down for a second. Now you got to find the words. The truth is you don't want to find the words because the moment you find them, you have to show up to them and take responsibility for them or at least manage them. So you, you prefer to not find them. So emotional health is saying, no, John, find the words. And if you don't know the words, maybe I pull out a feeling sheet or something. I wouldn't do this in our friendship, but like, I would say, no, John, what are you feeling? And you go, okay, you know what? I'm actually angry. Okay. What else, man? I'm actually just, you know, Rob, I think I'm just sad and disappointed. Well, you found the words. Well done, John. One point for you. Secondly, you said them out loud. Two points for you. Thirdly, can I, can I know that I was heard? If I looked at you and I said, man, John, 
I don't fix you. I don't prescribe you a book. I don't tell you you're going to be fine. I just go, man, thanks for sharing that. Like, wow. Okay. I, and I stop there. We always think, well, if, if, if these guys are going to share how they feel, now I have to do something about it. Hell no, I'm not responsible for what you feel. But I, I can give you a place to find the words, try to say them out loud, and I can let you know you were heard. And then a bonus question, maybe, if I care about you enough, I'd say, do you need anything from me, John? Like, you just said you're lonely. Well, when your friend tells you he's lonely, it may not be about me. I'm like, oh, gosh, I better call John more. Hell, I'm not calling you more. Is, is that what you need? You need to tell me you need that. Mm -hmm. And I go, John, what do you need? And you say, you know, Rob, I don't know what I need. And I go, well, you better figure it out. It's your life. So again, I'm not going to take responsibility for your internal world, but I'll, I'm your friend. And then you turn around and say, well, I think I just need, I just need to know that someone cares about me. So I said, so then I'm like, oh, okay, well, what does that mean, John? Like, again, I still don't know what you need. Like, that's, that's quite a, like, that's vague. And you're like, well, I just, Rob, would you, would you just give me a shout once a week just to check in on me? Could you give me a call? And then I get to say yes, no, or maybe. Most of us say yes and don't mean it. We just lie. Because mm. we, so I have to be able to say yes, no, or maybe. And I may say, call you every week. You know, John, um, I can commit to calling you once a month. So that's a maybe, like I'm renegotiating. I don't want to be responsible for calling you every week. Or maybe I do want to be responsible. Like, I don't know. So again, we're in a negotiation of healthy emotional relationship, which is you found the words, said it out loud. I, I just was a presence. I, I went further to invite you to identify, is there something you need to work through that? You came up with some ideas. I still have a voice. And if we're doing that, that's why people don't want to do emotions because they're so afraid that they're going to be held hostage by other people's feelings. And, and it's not when you do it this way. Next time your wife's, you know, kind of a little abrasive around, you come home and she's a little abrasive, get curious. She could be really frustrated at you, but who, who cares? Who knows? Get curious. Like, wow. Hey, what are you feeling right now? Wow. I'm just really frustrated and angry at you. Oh man. Thanks for sharing that. Like, I mean, I'm not talking about being patronizing, right, but right, like, right. Th thanks for sharing that. Cause what you were doing previously was not cool. I can work with that. Like, thanks for sharing. And she'll mm -hmm. go, ah, at least she had a place. And then I could say, what do you need from me? Well, I need you to not do this and this and this and this. Well, on the first one, I can't give you it. The answer is no. Second one, can we talk about it? Third one, done. I'll give you what you need. Mm -hmm. We're in a relationship because my job is not to not make her angry. My job is to be in relationship with a person who gets angry or a person who gets sad or lonely or hurt or whatever it is. That's how you're starting to become emotionally intelligent in relationship with other people. Yeah. I'll take up an offering if I don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what you were saying? Uh, I mean, I was, I was going to go there if you didn't go there, because I think uh, as men, we're especially guilty of doing that with our partners is that we feel like we're responsible for their emotional state. Yes. However they are, somehow it's either our fault or it's our responsibility to fix it. Correct. And uh, if if we do that, it's not healthy for either of us. So I love that you just gave us a, a picture there of what that looks like to to navigate that, and as you said, negotiate that right in a yeah. in a healthy way. John, the word is the word is interdependent, mm. and uh, it's like you have a self, and I have a self in a in a relationship. I am not you, and you are not me, but we have committed to an us. So there's a you, me, us. And I don't know what, like, I'm not a mind reader, magician. Like, I can't figure out what you need. But what I can do is create an environment where I'm, I'm willing to talk about anything that's going on, even if I'm the one responsible for it. Because guess what? I don't mind being guilty. Because guilt just requires you asking for forgiveness, taking ownership. I don't mind being shameful. Shame just recognizes... I'm a human and I need help. I don't mind having all these things. And so if I can set the table, invite you to it, 
And then you have to tell me what you need. Sometimes we help our friends or we, we help our children or we, our spouse helps us or we help them. But if Natalie and I will do this, if she says to me, Rob, what do you need? And I go, I just don't know what I need. Like, let's just say I'm frustrated because I live in Nashville and there's no ocean here. So, and I'm a surfer boy. And so that bleeds out into the rest of my life. I can be grumpy about something. And she goes, what do you need? What do you need? And I'll say, I just don't know what I need. She, it's not, it's not uncommon for her to say, well, when you figure that out, let me know how I can support you because I would love to support you. And what she's doing in that response is saying, I'm kind of tapped out on helping you find out what you need, uh, but I'm willing to show up once you identify it, like go do your work. That's her way of saying, go do your work, go figure out what you need based on what you feel. Or she could respond and say, would you like me to help you figure out what you need? Maybe she's got a little more patience or she's got a little more uh, uh, time or whatever. And I could say, yeah, I need some help. And then she could say, well, I wonder if you need this. And I wonder if you need this. And I wonder if you need this. So she's, again, curiosity. She's trying to help me find the words that express what I need. And I go, oh, yeah, I think that's just what I need. And she could mm -hmm. say, great. How Then it, how do you need me to support you in that? Yeah. And then that's I'm like, so well, I, I need you to tell me. Again, I'm always wanting someone to rescue me. It's the story of my life. <laughs> she may say, no, I want you to think about it. I'd love to support you in that need. Like, let me know how I can support you. Again, we're always putting the ownership back on the person, but we're doing it in a healthy relationship mm -hmm. if that helps. Yeah. If I give you a callback to how you started. Okay. The only way that you can have the courage to be curious about what's wrong, knowing that you might be the thing that's wrong, is if you've already embraced the idea that you're not enough, right? Yeah. If I've already said... If I've already owned that, I, I may, the answer may be that I'm not enough and that's, and I've accepted that reality, then I'm not afraid to hear it, right? Yeah, yeah. Or I may have done something wrong, guilt. <laughs> uh, I may not be as connected. You know, everything connects to different things. Just, just accept you're a human, but don't be self-pitied about it or <laughs> don't use it as an excuse. Like, John, if we were friends, I'm, I will let you down. We will have conflict. It's not if, it's, it's we will. And so can I accept the limitations of what it means to be human? I didn't choose to be one. And then out of that foundation, not using it as a scapegoat, but actually using it as a source of energy. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't just, I don't want to walk around not feeling enough with you, but I will have that feeling. But let's allow that feeling to drive positive outcomes, um, and and opens the door to what matters most, which is really connection to other human beings, in my opinion. Well, this has been a solid hour. <laughs> Rob, this has been uh, everything I, I hoped it would be. Um, awesome. John, I don't, I don't know if you have any other uh, closing thoughts. Um, I think, I think I need to re-listen and take some notes instead of just uh, mm -hmm. being an, an interviewer. I would, I would like to re-listen to it uh, myself, but um I feel like I need to send you $125 yeah, um, <laughs> as, and I'm going to cancel my therapy appointment for this week. So, yeah. So when the book's coming out, um, you, you, you know, transformleader.com, I believe is your website. So you, how can people connect with you on, on a bunch of different fronts? Uh, if they're a leader, if they're just looking to read another book, maybe just one yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You can go to Dr. Rob, murray.com or transformedleader.com that's our that's our company that does the work we work with uh, leaders teams organizations um, around helping them exactly do that integrate head and heart um, the, this book's hopefully coming out uh, it's I think it's the end of March uh, and again the book is a front door invitation there'll be a workbook that follows it there's actually a card set that's coming out too where you can actually pull out the card deck and you can actually use them to, to, to live out the model. It's mm. super cool. Uh, I've been developing and designing this stuff for years now. Um, and it's ready for like uh, public consumption, <laughs> but uh, the reality is it's like, you can read the book so that your brain just says, all right, all right, all right. I make the case in the book that it's worthwhile investing in your emotional development. Uh, all leaders say that it's important. Very few are doing anything about it. And most don't even know what it actually really means. 
we all want to be emotionally intelligent, but our definitions are pretty weak. So I make a case in the book very quickly to say, this stuff's, it's useful. If you want to grow as a, as a leader, you should probably pay attention. Um, or, you know, you can keep trying to think smarter and work, work hard and just keep doing what you've done. Um, it'll get you far, but there's limitations to that. And then the book will in, in introduce you to the, um, the system, which sounds so terrible, but I do it with a lot of stories, tons of stories. Some of them are mine. Um, and there's a lot, a lot of research too. It, it, I tried to actually pull out some of the research because I actually studied a lot of leaders doing this work. And I'm just telling you, if you want more of yourself, you wake up some days and go, I don't know who I am. I'm so tired of just, just getting up dragging something home getting up dragging something home i never feel like i'm enough uh, i think this is going to be something for you and uh so go find me drrobmurray.com and i don't know let's fumble forward together you're, you're going to get someone in the trenches with you uh, i don't think you ever win this race i don't think it's it's yeah. something you can achieve i think we we are all on some part of that same journey yeah i love it cool well, guys, for for myself and John, uh, thanks for joining us on uh, on this journey. Um, hopefully, it was meaningful to you. We look forward to next time. Um, it's been the known experience. Thanks again, Rob. We'll talk to you. Thank soon. you. Here we are. This is after the interview. This is a part of the segment where Sean and I just talk about uh, our guest and, and what really stood out to us. And and this is where everyone's like, we are out of here. No, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you know, I, I, I think it, it is a, you know, once you go through a podcast, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I do process a lot. Right. And you're, yeah. I, I think it'll be great. Um, we'll be doing this every episode. Uh, yeah. to kind of just help you think about it more. Right? Yeah. Um, so what stood out to you, Sean? What were your big takeaways? What hit you the deepest? Oh, man. I mean, you know, we, we kind of talked about it, but I, uh, on the, on the show, but that, uh, you know, I'm not going to die part. It mm -hmm. <laughs> just was just so, um, just hit so hard for me. Um, but, but it, it feels like it, right? I think that's a, you, you actually do go through a death of sorts. So, yeah. and it almost feels as bad as a physical death. I've never died physically, but um, like that, <laughs> the process that I went through it, it's really not pleasant, right? The yeah. death of kind of your identity is, is rough. So mm -hmm. if you're in that, and I feel like I'm just in the re I'm coming out on the other side ish um but it's just not easy right because yeah. you want it to be faster and push yourself through and so you're like oh i've identified i'm here i'm working on it in healthy ways okay now let's come out the other side and you you just i found myself it's just taking a long time being patient with yourself in the process is part of it and if you're a doer you just want to rush it right mm -hmm. okay job done let's go um so that hit and then also just the the dinner table thing, man, I almost teared up when he was saying that. Cause I've been so guilty of, um, you know, you just want to be the strong one in your family. So mm -hmm. I think a lot of dads, it's not neglect when they're quiet or they're grumpy. It's you're, you're just trying to be the strength all the time, right? Yeah. Like the vulnerability isn't it's at least for me, it's not me not showing up. It's me protecting them. So it's out of a good place, right? geez, I'll start crying here, but, um, but it's, it's really is out of a place of protection. Um, but what he said, I was like, man, that would be so profound. I think it would shock my family if I did that, uh, sadly. Um, so those two things were just, were just really, uh, were really yeah. good for me to hear and, and process again. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I would say absolutely same here. And as, as you know, I've been through that uh, death of a, uh, identity. And, um, it is the full grief cycle. It's, you know, there's the, um, there's this kind of status quo where you start out and then there's the denial, there's the anger, there's the negotiation, there's the kind of reevaluating and, um, experimenting with 
who you really are or who you're going to be. And, and then I think the last part is finding meaning in all that. So it can happen in any relationship or even in a moment of, it may not be the death of your identity, but it may be the death of you feeling like people are, um, happy with you or, or that you're a good leader, you know, let that die. Like he said, you know, like if you can, you know, own it from the start, Hey, there's a good chance that I did do something wrong or that I'm not the perfect leader or I'm not the perfect partner, not in a irresponsible way, but in a humble way that can really just, I think, be so reassuring to the people around us and helpful to us to open up and, and learn, you know, have a learning moment from it. I think he could have had a part two. Rob could have had a part two because I, yeah, I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's just so much. Um, I tend to, when things pop up, I tend to sit on it. So even though he was talking, I was kind of, I stayed in that place a little bit, right? Mm. <laughs> I don't, hopefully, you couldn't see it in my face, but mm. um, that's that's why I said I'd have to re-listen to it because when there is so much, mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't want to skip over the parts that are that are that are meaningful that land but no it's good i think that will not be the last time that he joins us and uh looking forward to his book coming out and uh we'll put in the show notes links to all of his resources uh and you can um reach out to him or or check those out so thank you for joining us it's been a good one and until next time we hope that you will experience the power of being known